Alan Springer, a longtime Porsche Motorsports boss, one of the founders of Andile, and living legend of sports car racing. Yep. If you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Perfect. One more time. And I tell you, <laughs> wow, in one word. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, fine. Super. Excellent. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> I'm not going to question you. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley alongside my co-host and partner, Sean Heckman. And we are just wrapping up day 34 of season three's podcast road trip. Now we covered 13,000 miles over 25 states, and we're going to bring you guys 29 episodes here on season three, the most we've ever done. Yeah. We drove down to Mission Viejo to meet up with a very infamous Porsche Motorsports figure, Alvin Springer. Now, if you don't know the name Alvin Springer, he is a legend for people who like sports car racing or people who love Porsches. Uh, he grew up in Germany, but moved over to the U.S. Uh, when opportunity presented itself uh, and basically became part of the Porsche family by uh, working under Vasek Polak. And uh, Vasek Polak, uh, again, for people who aren't necessarily Porsche files, is sort of the guy who really brought Porsche into the U.S. in a major way. Set up a ton of dealerships, set up the network, uh, and and Alvin worked directly under him. And then through a series of partnerships, uh, started his own sort of motorsport tuning company called Andile, which he started with two other partners. We'll talk about that in the episode. And uh, it's really an experience unlike any other sit down with Alvin Springer. Uh, here's some of the things you're going to hear about. The best street car he's ever driven. Uh, he talks very strongly about how to properly shake somebody's hand. The value of relationships. And his opinions on balance of performance. So, uh, again, we headed down to Mission Viejo on, again, these are real, National Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. <laughs> That's not a thing. And uh, we, actually, we actually purchased sandwiches uh, and brought them over to his home in Mission Viejo where we met with Alvin and his lovely wife, Yolanda. Yeah, we had a nice meal outside in the sunlight on the back porch, in front of the pool. Lovely weather. Beautiful California afternoon. I had my first cigar. That's... I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 And what, what was the quote? You asked me a question about it. Oh, is it supposed to make your mouth burn? <laughs> Which apparently it isn't. No. So no. I was doing something wrong. Yeah, I don't know how you messed that I up. I know nothing about cigars. But, but you tried. I did try. You and drank I drank with Mario Andretti and you tried to smoke cigars with Alvin Springer. So this was the trip of debauchery. That's right. By my standards. I had the six-inch tuna sandwich. I had the chicken sandwich. Uh, of course you did. And uh, while we got to have a lovely meal on uh, Alvin's back patio... Uh, we were driven there by none other than Mr. Dario Franchitti, who's here with us right now. Are we there yet? No, no we're no, close. Are, are, are we'll we there get yet? there when we get there. But other than that, thanks to Acura for providing this lovely MDX. And of course, we've got some tires on this car. Continental tires? Yeah, Continental tires. Okay. But that's not good enough. What do you want? They want to hear Who's the they? The, the demanding fans who ask for a lot of things for free. Do it. Continental tires. Schnell. A Continental Tire! Schnell! Continental Tire! 
Okay. Let's play Alvin. Alright, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two. Nice equipment. <laughs> That's what she said. Please. <laughs> Can you get it up a little bit? Yeah. Just That's what she said. <laughs> okay. Is that better? Can you uh, hear it better? A little bit, better? A little bit better. A little bit back. Back, back. Okay. You good? Eh? Okay. okay, good. Have you have you ever seen equipment this advanced? No. That's what I <laughs> but, then on the, but then on the other hand, I don't give a lot of interviews. See, that is something in the... In the 80s or 90s I decided against it because we had uh, we had a lot of uh, I don't want to say crooked uh, uh, reporters but you know that this it ju I just didn't like it because they ask you a question and the next thing what you know you know I was talking about uh, a club sandwich right. and they were talking about a steak so they would always right. turn the word and I decided against it that's sure. it when I took over Porsche Motorsport right. end of this, you never see me giving interviews or whatever very rarely so you're saying this is exclusive very, that is, uh, yeah, I, uh, you go back and you find out how many interviews I gave, okay. then I would say <laughs> it's uh, it's a nice thing to see you guys. Nice. Cool. Okay. Well, Very likewise. Cool. Yeah, I about to say, and now <laughs> we're sitting in your house. So so, so Patrick was a big advocate to, to get you onto this. And Patrick we, Long. Patrick Long, excuse me. And yeah. uh, uh, what, I, why? <laughs> you know I, what I mean? Like when you're like, okay, these two idiots, why would you have us in your backyard? I tell you honestly, you know, Patrick, well, uh, you know the background, how we got together, you know, like uh, with the Red Bull thing. Yeah. He was young American drivers, right. and at that time we were looking for that. And he fit completely the pictures, and beside, uh, on a professional base, we became pretty good friends. Right. But then on the other hand, it's very hard not to become friends with him. He's a sure. nice person, yeah. Yeah. beside a good driver. And uh, he told me about you guys, and he said, you should do that. So that was enough for me. Huh. Should All we right. should we out him as what we've yeah, decided? Yeah. So so here's the thing. So you have been in motorsport for four decades. Nineteen sixty six. Okay. So five <laughs> decades. When Sean was born. Been, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, hey, old time. Old. <laughs> <laughs> so five decades you've been in the sport. Um, I have not been in the sport that long, but I've yeah. been here for a little while. And of all of the PR people that I have ever worked with, um, the hands down the best PR person I've ever known, Patrick Long. Uh, definitely, and we are very, very <laughs> yeah, hold on, uh, you have to remember, uh, Patrick has a unique position, he is dedicated to Porsche, right? but he doesn't work for a big company, so we right. can take Bob Carlson, yeah. anybody remember yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, he was one of the greatest, yeah. because he was a human being, he was honest, so everything what fits into a kind of a, a public relation guy or whatever, it fitted, and right. I really admired him on a personal base and a professional base. Right. But Patrick, you see, Patrick is Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> so he can promote himself yeah. at the same time promote the, the mark. Yeah. So it is a perfect combination, and he does a hell of a job. You, oh, he you are correct. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story just from like two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's very normal, particularly when you work with somebody who's affiliated with a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So in your case, obviously, a clear affiliation with Porsche. A lot of times, when you work with manufacturer PR representatives, they are very slow to deal with you because they, their job is to not get fired. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I get that. I'm not. I'm not critical of that. But uh, um, so a lot of times, if I want, let's we'll use a. Chevrolet, as an example, if I want to get somebody from the Cadillac, from the Cadillac program or the or the Corvette program, you know, if you try to go through their 
PR department, it can be a very, very slow process. So, um, and sometimes you just don't even hear back. But I was at the IMSA race at Laguna Seca two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And Patrick, it's like five minutes before practice, Patrick is in his suit, helmet in hand, sees me, walks across the paddock and says, Oh, I saw Alvin. He's he's in. I'll uh, I'll email you on Monday. We'll get a time going. I'm thinking next Tuesday. And then he's like, I gotta go drive the car now. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, best he, PR guy I've ever. Same met. for me. I said, where I knew you from the face. Yeah. I said, where are the guys? He said, yeah, mm, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Later. Okay. Bye. <laughs> 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 and then when he wrote me the email. Yeah. And then I think you wrote it back, and I said, it's no problem. Come yeah. here. Yeah. In, in my house. I like it better here because, you know, we have a little bit more freedom. Yeah. We have time in a restaurant, you know, it's noisy. People want to sit on a table. Oh, this is, no, so, this is fantastic. Oh. So. And thanks for the sandwiches, yeah. guys. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. you, you are the cheapest date we've had on this uh, on this road trip so far. <laughs> uh, so Mission Viejo. Yeah. This is, how long have you been here? 76. 76. Would you like to wear a headset? Hmm? You, would you like to join us? You can. Hmm? You can put that on if you'd like. You don't have to. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in this house since 1976? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So it's the area's grown a lot from then. I think that we got here was like 15,000. Oh, wow. And now it's 80, yeah. something yeah. But I worked for Vasek Pollack up in uh, in Manhattan Beach, okay. Mosa Beach. And it was, it was nice, but you know, we couldn't afford a house or an apartment at the beach, so we lived inland. But it was flat, you know. And then, when we decided in 75 to go in our own business, and, um, and we want to move away from, from Mimosa Beach, um, to not to get in a conflict with Pollock. So we decided Costa Mesa. And then, of course, naturally, then we needed somewhere to move. And uh, she found, the area here with my mother when she was still alive, the two of them, and she said, I got a perfect area. You drive and you will like it. So I drove freeway down here and I saw the mountains in the back. And I didn't have any idea at that time, I tell you honestly, that mountains are that close to us. Sure. Sure, I've seen them when we drive to the races, you drive yeah. Riverside, right. blah, blah, you see the mountains. So, drove in, up the hill, over La Paz, down the hill, up the hill. And I told you, I said, that's it, we're going to buy here. Right. <laughs> and it was it. the best move we ever could make. Yeah. No, this you is Don't a great regret area. it at all. Yeah. It's a, it's a very nice, it's a clean city. It is, uh, you, you are really, because of the the expansion of the uh, urban things, you are, you are not downtown, right. but it is not that bad anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, so the airport is here. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. will not move from here. I can tell you that. Yeah. So. How did uh how was coming over here from Germany? Was it like a shocking change because the weather's so nice all the time? No, I mean, no, 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 no. Let me give you a short history. See, in in 1965, I had my uh, degrees in auto electric, auto mechanic, two degrees, and I wanted to see a little bit the world. I never wanted to immigrate. That was not in my direction at all. Yeah. I had a good job in Germany, and um, I want to come to the United States, see a little bit. But then the Vietnam War started just to creep up, mm -hmm. and I said, nah, not me. So then I went to Toronto in the end of 65. Then I met her in 66, Yolande. Yeah, and then I started racing in 66. Then I went back to Germany in 67, did my master degrees in both things. Yeah, and then what are you gonna do? Yeah. So I went back and forth and back and forth. And then in my opinion, you know, you'd call, I call that the why. Because in the beginning, 
you can jump. Yeah, right. Germany, Canada, or whatever. And then there comes the time when you have to decide yes, Sorry. no. Right. And in the meantime, I went to uh, to Daytona and I met Guy C from California. And I said, California sounds pretty good. <laughs> and I was there in two years before, in 1968 or 1967. We went from Canada to uh, Mexico City with Ludwig Heimrath. Maybe that tells you something, yeah. old timer, with a McLaren, not a Porsche. <laughs> okay. And we, on the way back, we came here over California, picked up some parts. And I'll tell you, it was April or May, I, I forgot now exactly, and people were running around like us here. Yeah, shirts, shirts, short sleeves. And, and I said, am I, am I living on a different planet? We had winter time. It was still cold because in Canada, as you know, you know, the winter goes into yeah. April, May. Sure. And then I got that offer, you know, hey, why don't you come to California? It didn't take me long. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Back to Volkswagen and right. came down here. Mm -hmm. So I'm here since uh, March 69. Yeah. Wow. So was it uh, for me a change? No, not really. I mean, that is. But I was then in racing at Pollock, so I always stayed in racing. Yeah. I call myself, you know, like uh, a hybrid. Sure. <laughs> a sure, hybrid sure. between the Germans mm -hmm. and Americans because I understand both philosophies. Right. And what I tell the Germans when they come over here, I always say, guys, do me a favor. When we sit on a table or we're in a room, we all look alike. Believe me, cannot separate between a German yeah. and an American. Yeah. Right. But I said, when it comes to thinking, it's the left side and the right side. Sure. <laughs> sure. And we have to meet somewhere in the middle. So do not try to pull the values from you on Americans. It won't work. Right, right. So, yeah, no, but it was, it was an advice. And usually if somebody didn't like it, he found out the hard way. Because that's the way it is. It's the same if you would go to Germany or somewhere else. You have to kind of adapt to the country. Well, so. and not to sort of skip around, but your your reputation is of somebody who really understands sort of the, the politics of motorsport. Mm -hmm. And would you say that's part of it, that you sort of come from kind of both philosophies that you know how to balance the two? Mm -hmm. I think what it takes, it's, uh, I don't think it has anything to do if you're German or an American. doesn't matter. It's how you are in daily life how your personal uh, standpoints are, you know, and, and it takes a while until you are accepted and right. respected. Right. And once you achieve that, then I think it becomes much, much easier to negotiate something, to discuss something with people, because when they trust you and trust in parentheses, they open up and at least they give you 40% of what they say or 50%, they say the guy, okay, if they don't trust you and don't know you, and that's personally for me also, you go immediately, mm, yeah, what is right. the guy trying yeah. to say? Right, right. So what I'm saying is, and I'm a strong believer in that, that is in integrity is very important. And to a certain degree, honesty, and I will explain you that later, then comes reputation and respect. But how do you get respect? And that is another thing what I tell the guys when they come over here, not with your title. Yeah. You earn it. Yeah. And how do you earn it? Being open, being honest, and then end. So come back to honesty. What is honesty? If you ask me a question, okay, you can ask, you know, what is the next portion looking and when is it coming? Sure. Even if I know it, I can't tell you that. Because there are certain things. It's just an example. Then I will say, I cannot answer that question. But I will not lie. And that is my reputation. Yeah. Right. So you know what I'm saying? That's yeah, the absolutely. difference between a lot of people, you know, they go blah, 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 right, blah, right. and then I go like, 
Ja, dat is ook klaar. En wanneer het komt to negotiation met people, like I said, if I go in a meeting and I say something, I have to respect. Now, do I convince them? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sure. But, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm very proud on, uh, again, my reputation. And the moment you want to scratch on that, I get nasty. Because <laughs> yeah. I've worked too hard for it. Right. Yeah. I don't know that you know the reputation you have towards, like, young drivers in America, but um, it's very intimidating. And yeah, but that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just making sure you know. No, of course. <laughs> I'm guessing earlier. you like that. Well, earlier he said to me when you were out here setting yeah. up, he's like, do you know what I what I do? And I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very well aware, as anybody in my position should be. Um, you're kind of a celebrity, even though you probably don't realize it. No. Because, right. You're like, eh, whatever. Um, but in the sports car racing world, you're up there along the same you know namesake of like a penske or yeah you know, okay. that penske is my hero okay i tell you yeah. that one guy in racing that's penske yeah for me he is the greatest guy he's honest again to certain thing and when you need him he's always there yeah. lends me an ear because i know him from the early 70s with the 917s and it never changed So, yes, yeah. him, Penske? No, I'm not on the same level well, like him. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> I look up to him. Sure, and I sure. mean that. I mean it with deep respect. Yeah, well, for us being fans as well as in the sport, when we got like the word that, yeah, everyone's going to sit down for, for a meal with us, mm. we thought, oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh, is that really why? happening? And we know our yeah. listeners are, are listening. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And our listeners are good. And in fact, we're concerned that we're going to get something wrong with like a Vasek Polak history. And then all the fans that listen to this are going to come after us because no. it's a very, very sacred history no, with, no, with no, motorsport. No. You, are, sure. you are so far. I like the questions. Yeah. Or it's not so much questions, but statements. Yeah. And it is, it's something completely different, and I'm glad that we're doing that. Yeah. Because, you know, calling about corner seven and gear six, I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> oh, that's not <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but it's not. But talking about, talking about personalities and, yeah. you know, how we do that and what it is, I like that. Yeah. And young drivers. Let me come to young drivers. Yeah, yeah, please. During the 962 days, you know, I always called the drivers that were not young, But even the old ones, you know, Ludwig, mm -hmm. all the guys. I called them spacers. Yeah, oh yeah, I've heard this. You heard it? Yes. You know, yes. spacers between the steering wheel and the seat. Yeah. And yep. replaceable. <laughs> yep. yep. Because, because see, at that time, we were just digging into the EPROMs. You know what EPROMs are, eh? No. EPROMs is the, the, the ECU, you know what oh, that is. Okay. Electronic yes, control yes. unit. Yes. Yeah. And the EPROM is the brain of the ECU. Right. And we were just starting to control the ECU. Okay, with timing and lambda right, right. and all that little stuff what we had, you know, mixture. Yeah. And I always told the driver, I said, look, man, don't screw off with me <laughs> because I'm going to get you faster than you can get because I change something and you look like an old man. Right. So I said, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> be very very nice <laughs> so then, uh, so but on another note and I'll come back to young drivers so uh, Daytona yeah, sorry AJ Foyt so Foyt drives a 962 comes in opens the door he goes blah 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 helmet you know <laughs> sitting there go, come on what did he want right, right so finishes goes in the trailer I go in there He said, 
By the way, you know, in his, in his accent, he said, I want to tell you something, but you didn't understand one word. I said, no, he said, when you said something, I didn't understand one word. I said, don't feel bad. I didn't understand you either. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, that little episode, see, moved the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He invited us later to Indy, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So yeah. that's that little... When you say respect over this little bit humor, you have to have humor. Yeah, for sure. That's what I do. I know when to laugh and when to make a joke, yeah. and I know when it is serious. So I'll give you another one. You know Dieter Quester? Of course, yeah. yeah. 962 Daytona. So he comes over, like, drives two laps or what, but totally off the pace, opens up the door. The engine man, please. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, what is it? But in German. He's got, yeah, if I come in the horseshoe and it goes pop, 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 and it cuts out and it does. So I looked at him. I said, my friend, you're about 12 seconds of the pace. <laughs> When you get a little bit faster, <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> Close the door. <laughs> so, so, so then later on, he went to the other guys and he said, who is that guy? <laughs> so that's how I got my reputation. Yeah, no, it stands true. So yeah, yeah. That was in like the 1962, in the 80s. So, and then in the 90s, I took over Porsche Motorsport after L passed away or had the accident. So what we would do in Germany, and we still have that, is uh, we have a program where we get young drivers. Yeah. They go through school, they go through how to talk on TV, yes. and then and so they would teach their manners and being nice guys yeah. and being road race car drivers, and then I would get them. <laughs> you know, Mike Rockefeller, you know, like uh, Lucas Lua, I yeah. mean, all of them. So they would come over here, Timo Bernhardt, yep. they would come over here. I would get him in the truck, in our old truck. I don't know if you remember yes, this. I remember, yeah, yeah, the yeah. old truck. Get him in there. I said, come on, sit down. I said, number one, you learn now what it is being nice in life. When we start today or tomorrow, you learn what real life is all about. <laughs> and I'll teach you. And that's what it is. And then they had to follow. Like one time I had, I forgot now who it was. I think it was Timo Bernhard and two guys came, Mark Leap or what. I, I, I really don't remember anymore. But the guys came in the truck as a tandem. And I told them, I said, look guys, we drive together, but you drive in two different cars. Don't you ever, ever drive together or hit each other. Park the car. Don't come in the pit anymore and get a ticket to Germany. Right. Otherwise, I will kill you. So, yeah, logo. So they were, and they never did. So I had strong words, and today, from a young race car driver, I expect the same thing. Respect. Respect is very important. Mm -hmm. And don't get cocky. Because you fall faster than you are rising. Because yeah. there, so there are so many good guys out there. So if you are very good, then you can uh, kind of uh, <laughs> afford to be a little bit, you know, quiet. But otherwise, uh, let's say plain English, I don't take <laughs> from nobody. <Yeah. laughs> right. Especially not from young ones. <laughs> right, right. That's right. the reputation. But otherwise, when you see me at the racetrack for the last 10 years or what, I'm very much in the background. Yeah. You don't see me in the foreground. You ever see me in the foreground? I'm going to... We gonna, do. Yeah, but say, I'm going to call that out and say absolutely uh, <laughs> don't agree with that. Um, you don't. I don't. I don't agree whatsoever. So we... Um, We have a, into it? Yeah, let's go to yeah, the guest question. Okay. Our last guest was Jeremy Shaw, mm -hmm. um, who <laughs> did nothing but say, nicest guy, nicest guy and about apparently you. apparently lives just down the street. Yeah, oh he's yeah, like, yeah. you guys are neighbors. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good guy. We know each other for a long time. Yeah, he was, he was telling us how, how nice you were, and uh, like all we know 
is like the intimidating Alvin Springer. We're like, yes. really? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but Jeremy's question. Yeah, he, 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 the same question that we kind of already had, uh, it, but direct quote, I thought you retired from this job years ago, but every time I go to an IMSS event, there you are. Why? What is it that keeps you coming back? That's a good question. Sometimes I ask myself, <laughs> but let me tell you how that worked. It's in, uh, in 2003, I was supposed to co- extend my contract. And I kind of, you know, like at that time, the corporate world was becoming bigger and bigger and the corporation, the controllers and here and there. And I could see that in my freedom, I would have been curtailed. And following the complete rules, because I have to explain that a little bit further, and following the complete company rules would take too much time away from my side because I was at that time, we were a small company, it was not as big. So I traveled a lot, I had a family, I, I worked my ass off, and then I saw the shit coming. You know, you're, more, you're more, s- more, more, more. Specific to Porsche Motorsport. Porsche Motorsport. Motorsport. Yeah, clear yeah. Porsche Motorsport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Endal stopped in nineteen. Right. Yeah, I but can explain to you that too. Yeah, you know, transition. A, there. a lot of fans may not realize Porsche Motorsport and Porsche out in Atlanta. Yeah, but then maybe we should. Can you can you edit the oh, whole yeah. thing? Oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then, then go it. back and ask me and bring that question sh- uh, later. Ask me how the transition, what happened there between Endal and Porsche yeah. Motorsport, because a lot of people didn't understand that and oh, still sure. don't know exactly right. what happened there. Right. Alvin Alvin Springer in American motorsport would have been not where I am today without Endal. And right. what is Endal? Endal is a company we started in, in, in 1975, and I have to explain that a little bit to you because it is important. And I want to make a point that that stays 100% in there. Oh. It was uh, started <laughs> It was started with uh, Arnold Wagner, yeah. who was the parts guy, Dieter Insenhofer, who was uh, like me, a technician, mm-hmm. and myself. And this is at Vasek Polak? We all worked at Vasek okay. Polak, but we we quit in 75. Yeah. So and then we were sitting in a, in, a, in, a, in a room and we said, so what are we going to call the company? So then it started, Porsche Service West and blah, blah. And we said, nah, you cannot do that because they will sue our ass sooner or later. <laughs> right. So then we came with R-Dial, you yeah. know, AR. Okay, we have a question, question about this. Why yeah, not yeah, but no, but no, okay. so Ardile. And we said Ardile. Ardile. Doesn't make sense. That that sounds in English, it sounds it sounds good in German, it doesn't sound good in English. Right. And then we said, Okay, Arnold, we're gonna cut you for A N. Yeah. Endal, because it flows. Yeah. Right. That's how that name came. Yeah. So what did it mean? Nothing. But you know what the important part was at that time? Top of the yellow pages. Ah, a. ah yeah. Okay. A. <laughs> that's that's all. <laughs> Can you explain what the yellow pages are for the kids that are going to yeah, listen to this? Yellow pages yeah. is today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looked like a phone book, but <laughs> can I explain to the kids also what is a phone book? <laughs> right, right. We used to have we used to have pages with all the advertising from businesses, and you right. know, like you guys know it. And hopefully, for the kids who listen, go and Google and right, right, what right. it is. Yeah, you'll find out. <laughs> so and then we started that, and uh, it, it was it was a very very good thing we did only Porsches but we did racing and the street and in racing we concentrated on engines racing and that's all and we were very successful I don't want to go into all the details but um, in 19 in 19 uh, when was it 1988 when L died so we waited one year in Porsche you know we kind of looked at each other and we said we should we shouldn't 
1989, we looked at each other and we said, mm, I saw Porsche Motorsport going down the hill. They saw it also, but at the time, Ender was the biggest independent Porsche in the, in the United States. Right. So Porsche Castle in America hated our guts. Huh. So how do you combine now? So they, they didn't know how to approach us, but then I had a very good uh, connection over the years okay. in Weissach. So and then they came finally and they said, listen, you have to do faster motorsport. And I said, how? So and then we agreed in the beginning, that's a good story. So in the beginning, as a consultant, because there was nobody anymore, the Porsche Motorsport was dormant. So uh, as a consultant, and then as soon as Porsche Cast North America went for the Van Reno, they flipped out. How can you take the blah, 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 said the guys. So I went to Porsche Cast North America, and the guys was Fred Schwab. Yep. So I came in his office, and it was a little bit like North Pole. <laughs> a little bit cold. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and then he finally, you know, after 15 minutes or what, nonchalant, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay, here's your contract. I looked at my contract. I tell you that, I think, 50 pages of yeah. it. Yeah. I opened it up, and it goes, where ass, where off? And where? I said, well, I have no idea. I'm not a lawyer. So I took that thing, brought it here to my lawyer. He looked at it. And he said, if you sign that, you're a slave. Ah. I said, why? He said, everything in there is... Okay, so I called a guy in Germany, Helmut Flegel. <laughs> Does that mean something to you? No. He used to be the Walliser of the world, of that, that Okay. The, I'm sorry, the what? The, the Walliser, Frank Walliser. Okay. The big, big racing. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So I called him up and I said, hey. he said, send me that thing. So I sent it to him. And then it went on, I don't know, they announced in... December of 89 that I'm going to take the job you know when I had the final contract done May ah good you know how long it was six pages ah <laughs> nice <laughs> so that of course made Porsche Cars North America mad yeah right. but you know they get kind of Weiser the racing arm is Weiser and so Porsche Cars North America so that's what it always made it a little bit not sweeter but easier to operate yeah right so then came the time Every year, you know, like because what I had is I took the Ender, the Ender thing, and we made all the racing engine for the teams mm -hmm. at Ender. But it was, and I was the only consultant. I wasn't uh, employed by Porsche. I was still at Ender, so I was running Porsche Motorsport. And then every year they came and they said, "Okay, you gotta sell your interest in Ender and come over to Porsche Motorsport." And I said, "Why should I? Give me good reason." They never had a reason. And then finally, you know, after a couple of years, I said, look, I'll make you a deal. 1995, we have 20 years of Endal. Then let's talk about it because that is for me a benchmark. And let's see what we're going to do. It took us 1996, one year, to negotiate a price. Because what we did is we took the complete racing department. Is that okay? It's okay. Uh, we can deal with it. Because otherwise you can't go inside fine, because I can't yet. Yeah, once we isolate. We, we took the complete racing department, including parts department, people, machinery, everything. And I relinquished my shares in Endal, gave it to Dieter and Arnold. And the only thing what I took was the racing department, the building, not the, not the, the building in, as in real estate, but whatever was in the building. Gotcha. Right. We had two buildings. And that I sold to Porsche because they had to give me some. Right, right. And that's what took a year. 
<laughs> but then actually on the first of 97 I took over as the president of Porsche Motorsport right. and got out of Endal. So hopefully that makes a little bit more yeah, sense right. when I say Endal or Porsche Motorsport. Yeah. So for an outsider you really you didn't know because the transition from okay. Endal to Porsche Motorsport was like that, that right. open door, next day you go in and you say, okay, it's Porsche Motorsport. Right, right, right. It was and all the was, same people. It was very same. seamless. Yeah. Right. So, I hope that answers the it question does. a little well, bit. So, well, so, so, it, so it does, yeah, it answers part one <laughs> of just sort of the transition of Andial to Porsche Motorsport North America, but, but so from 1997 to 2004, you're the guy. You're you're running the deal. You're you're in charge. That's correct. Mm -hmm. But then you retire and yeah, from 1990. See, you have to be careful now. See, that's right. yeah, that's okay, that's yeah, where it gets confusing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> from 1997, I was an employee for Porsche. Ah, copy. Okay, that's a different. Yeah. Right. Before I was consultant. But so I love to consultant work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2004, you retire. Yeah. And yet we're going to see you this weekend in Monterey. Yeah. <laughs> so how, what? <laughs> how, did, how does that work? Okay, I can explain you exactly. In 2003, like I started before, you know, I was tired of it and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I found Uwe Brettel, if you remember yeah, him. I, I found him and he was uh, uh, running the cup, Super Cup over there. We talked, talked to his wife and we came to the conclusion that's the right candidate for over here. So he came here. We stay for four months together. So when, we, when I uh, relinquished my job in uh, end of first uh, of February 2004, again it was flawless. One day to the next one, nobody really knew what happened. And then I went, uh, I went to uh, Germany and talked to the boss. And it was kind of, you know, like it was kind of, uh, yeah, okay. So do you really want to quit? I said, wait a minute, Uwe Brettel is there. So, and then we kind of talked, and, he, and then he said, listen, help a little bit with Uwe, help a little bit, uh, you know, with what, whatever is necessary. And I said, yeah, sure. And we came there to the conclusion, because I always liked rules and regulation, but the BOP at that time, you know, was here. So what, always liked it, but I never had time. I never really put, put my nose in it. So, and then, I took that uh, job over, but as a consultant, a consultant and no contract. I didn't want to have a contract anymore because a contract will bind me. Because it is it's two-folded. Number one, the Porsche people have to hold, they sell on you. And at the same token, you know, like what happened if I don't like what the Porsche guy is doing? Then, you know, I have to stick out my contract. No, no, I wanted to be independent. It was for me very important. And that is as of today. Ne? They tried it again a couple of times. No contract. I do not work with a contract. So what do I do now? Let's say that, uh, that I've watched out, first of all, rules and regulations. And that is something what grew from here, what I said before, to very, very high. BOP became really a master, not a master, a master is bull it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's a factor. You can have the best car and you have a, a bad BOP. Yeah. There's nothing what you can do. Exactly. So it is more important than, I don't know, than technology. Development. Because tech, yeah, the yeah. development, perfect yeah. word. Yeah. And I call BOP socialized motorsport. Yeah. yeah. I call okay. it bullshit. <laughs> I respect, I respect because of the, of the cars, 
what we have these days, the variety of the cars in engine size and turbo and non-turbo yeah. and small and big, I can see that we need a certain equalizer. Mm -hmm. But where that thing started, let's say with four parameters, three parameters, we have now 10 or 15. It is, it's getting out of line. We don't have, we don't really have hard racing anymore. We're fighting that now for, I don't know, minimum 10 years, especially in Daytona. You know, the raw or the testing before. Nobody, nobody. The raw, you can, you can give it to yourself because nobody goes out there and shows anything because they're afraid that for the race they change the BOP again. So what are you doing? That is for me a waste of talent, a waste of money, a waste of resources. Yeah. For what? So I'm not, I'm not an, an advocate of, uh, of BOP and I've made my opinion well known yeah. to a lot of people, but try to change it. Yeah. Try to change it. Yeah. Now we have the SRO makes the rules, we have the ACO, we have the FIA, we have IMSA, we have World Challenge. I mean, yeah. it is, and it's so intertwined. So why am I still going to the races? Number one, I still like it. Number two, what I, what I not dream of, but what I analyze usually fits. Because see, not only do I know electronic and here and there and there, so the broad spectrum is white and I know who to ask if I don't know and therefore I have a pretty good idea what it is or what we should ask for because the IMSA analysis have you seen that yeah, yeah. it's pretty elaborate yeah but that is what I'm saying you know that gets more mm -hmm. and more and mm -hmm. more and wh what do we want to have slot car racing right no yeah. I mean I mean that honestly yeah. where do we stop because apparently right now they're not, they're not and it's not that IMSA wants it but they kind of are forced into an area where they trying very, very hard, and in my opinion, fair, on a fair base, to make it equal or at least make it close to equal. Right. But it's so difficult. Yeah. And then the other thing is if I see, let's say I see a landmine rolling along. <laughs> okay. thing, so then I'll tell the Porsche guys, hey guys, jump a little bit to the right or to the left. Okay. Right. So, and um, that's so you ask and the other thing, I go to the teams, I talk to the teams and usually, you know, like uh, you get a pretty good idea. Where does it, where's the problem? Mm -hmm. where that I do that too. Yeah. So, so being, being quote unquote retired is basically just sort of a freedom for you that you can do the stuff you want to do and not the stuff you don't. Exactly, okay. my <laughs> friend. You I'm see, retired you right that? now. <laughs> you see that, see what I say? Right. What I say very clearly. Yeah. There's one person in life who sometimes can tell me what to do. You know who that is? I'm guessing My wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the boss. rest of them, yeah. let's work together. If it makes sense, <laughs> right. I will do it. If it doesn't make sense, I will not do it. And that is, people know that. Now, when he retired, did you think that was it? And you could finally, like, have a weekend? Uh, uh, no, you no. didn't. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that is not true. No, 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 no. What our plan was, don't say that. What <laughs> our plan was, no. What our plan was, we wanted to get a big motorhome. Okay. And travel to the United States yeah. and Canada. Well, you can start a podcast and do that. Yeah, but, but you know what? <laughs> we looked at it. We looked. That was, yeah, that was before the guys in Germany asked me to, to stay on, you know, consult. But then we looked at the motorhome and we said, ah, motorhome? So we have a nice motorhome. We go on a, on a, on a, on a uh, campground. Okay. And then what? Set that. You see, no, yeah, yeah. you need another car behind. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and when we all so looked at it, we said, yeah. you know what, an hotel is actually good. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we didn't do mm -hmm. that. 
So yeah, I still like to do it. It's, uh, but you know, like I said, you know, I don't have to write a lot of reports, and I don't have to write a lot of uh, co uh, uh, controlling bullshit. Sure. Know, like, and p don't get me wrong, when you run a company in today's world, you need controlling, you need budgets, you need that all. But when you work for a big company, they tend to oversee that a small company doesn't have the human resources, right. what they have. Right. So what you have to do the same thing. How are you going to do that? So that is something what I resented. I get up in the morning before at six o'clock telephone would ring because of the nine hour time difference. Okay. Now, if I don't want to answer the phone, guess what? Mm -mm, I don't answer. Then I look at my emails. And I can say, hmm, important, no, next, bother me. Right. See, that's, <laughs> it, you're absolutely good. That's the freedom what I cherish. Yeah. And you yet? Know, I pick my races where I'm going to go. Nobody tells me if I say that I'm going to come on Wednesday or I'm come on Friday. And the other thing is at the racetrack. So before, you know, 6 o'clock up, 7 o'clock at the racetrack. Now, you know what the difference is if I'm there at 7 or 8 o'clock? One hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. sometimes, you know, if, if I see there's practice at 10 o'clock, if there's practice at 8 o'clock, yeah. again, if I'm there or not there, what yeah. do you think, something changes? Right, right, yeah. right. So, therefore, I cherish my mornings. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely mm -hmm. understand this. It's it's same thing what I, and like I said, I did that in the 80s. Same thing in the 80s, I decided against another thing, going to the victory circle when somebody when we win. I didn't do that anymore for a simple reason. Is Eric Blas, you know him, okay? And our guys, they worked their ass off. They deserve to go in a winner's circle with me. You know what I did? I went to the guy who finished third or second. And by the time I was finished with them, the guys came back. Then I went to the guys who won the race. That is the order, fifths or whatever, always. Got and you know, that's you get respect. Because that's that is human nature, and that that is something for me came naturally. So you asked me before, do you learn it? I don't think you learn it. You have to have it in you. So yeah, I'm a hard son of a bitch, but at the same token, I'm fair. That I promise you, you can ask anybody. Yeah. And straightforward. <laughs> well, oh, we know no, that. Straightforward. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay. Oh yeah. Definitely. You get it from yeah. me. Oh, I don't. I'm definitely not politically correct. <laughs> yeah. The. You, you wouldn't remember this. The very first time we oh. met, like 10 years ago, you know, it's Alvin Springer, and we get introduced, and we shake hands, and you were like, nope, do that again, because That's I did right. not shake your hand hard enough. Not only that. <laughs> yeah. Or, pass off, or watch it, shake my hand. All right. You know, no, somebody you else, the other way. then I go like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got my attention. I, I still yeah. do that today. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, if somebody gives you yeah. a hint, you know, like, like, like a hand. Hand. Yeah. yeah, okay, very good. But yeah, yeah, I always remember Nothing that. changed today. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a kit. I had a kit for I was 14 or whatever, yeah. you know, and you went like that. Mm -hmm. And like that, I said, look, I said, come here. <laughs> I said, you want to learn something in life? Yeah. I said, first of all, look at me when you say hi. And second of all, you have to shake hands, don't go too hard, but okay. So next day I saw him, guess what? Did it right. 
Man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when he when he parked up that he remembered that you. It, yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh, that's you're the guy move. with the terrible handshake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's no, just your business. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I remember was you drove in. This was like at a uh, Porsche Motorsport party, uh, end of year kind of thing. And you were driving a Lexus. Mm -hmm. And you said it was the best car you'd ever driven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what is in the garage? It's still here. It's a Lexus. Lexus. Yeah. Ah, so they always go. <laughs> yeah. no, the best part is, I have to tell you that. So if we go in Daytona, I, I don't do that that often either, to the Porsche uh, Corral. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't go there too often. But in Daytona, Jens convinced me two years ago. I came in there. And then by the end, when everything is said and done, then the public or the people can ask questions. And I, I, on the left side, they started with them, what car are you driving? Oh, then they go 911 turbo, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I knew I, so I wanted to leave and yet said, you stay. <laughs> I can't leave, you know. Right, he knows So they coming. said, okay, um, what do you drive? I said, Alexis. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I bought a 356. No, I have a 356, but not because of that. It's so, I want to give you a better one. You know, Hutz? Hutz used to be the board member of development. We were private eating or what? So, he came to it. Same thing. What are you driving? I said, Lexus. <laughs> uh, what? I said, Lexus. Do you have a second car? I said, yeah. He said, what is it? Land Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey guys, when the cars, when any of the cars break, I would love to buy a diesel uh, 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 Cayenne. Mm -hmm. But it becomes more and more difficult. But the Land Cruisers, you can't beat them. Oh, right. yeah. You know my Land Cruiser, you know what I do with it? I take the running boards off. Yeah. I have a set of wheels with off-road tires. Okay. And then go to the bar, go in Death Valley. But I mean, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we drove on the, on the, not on the race, but we drove uh, on the racetrack and street to La Paz, Ensenada La Paz. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Baja run. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. the whole yeah. Baja run. Yeah. Here was my car. <laughs> then I come home, wash it, put the stuff on, and my wife drives. <laughs> so, explain to me why I should do that. Right. So, Andre Oisthofen, you know him? No. He's the marketing chief at oh boy. Porsche Gaston America. Yeah. Says, Are you still driving your Lexus? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> all right. Nice. All right. So, we we all know your your story, you know, starting with, uh, you know, Vasek Pollock and, of course, Andial. But I don't, I mean, I don't really know much about you prior to that. Like, did you grow up a racing fan? I mean, like being born in Germany at the time you were born, it was a tough time, I assume. And Nothing. Yeah. What I did, I grew up in Essen. It's an industrial town, in the kind of the northern part of Germany, a mid-northern part. And racing. I, I had a friend who was involved in racing, still is, and I always say, Nürburgring, 200,000 people, what am I going to do there? No. So in Germany, I was not interested in racing at all. It came in Canada. Like I said, my uncle had a big company. Uh, we had about 300 trucks, you know, the, uh, delivery trucks, not really big tra delivery trucks, and about 40 or 50 Volkswagen buses. So my life was kind of already in the right direction. Like I said, I learned, uh, I, I had a degree in auto electric and auto mechanics. So that was six years of uh, learning. 
because in Germany it's different. Here you say you're not a mechanic and you are. Over right. there you have to have an apprenticeship and you have to do that all. Yeah. And then in 66 when I came, or 65, in 66 the guy had an eye spider. That's what I showed you there, Rudy Bartling. You don't know him, but... And he said, you know, I looked at it and he said, you want to help me in the evening? I said, yeah. I said, what do you do? You have a drive in Montreal and in Watkins Glen and mid-Ohio. I said, that's exactly what I want. Because I want to see the country. That's why I came over oh, here. Okay, okay. And that's how I got into racing. Interesting. Honestly. Then I made out of my hobby, I made a job. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you complaining about? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten to work with drivers from, you know, just name them, you know, anybody yep. you want in the history mm-hmm. of the sports car racing world. It seemed like in the 80s and early 90s, the age difference, you'd see like a Hans Stuck or a Bob Wallach were still getting factory rides and they were well into their late 40s and early 50s. And now that doesn't seem to happen nearly as much. But that would have been probably your age group at the time, give or take a little bit. Yeah. So. Would you have like more of a social relationship with those guys back then? You mentioned you were good friends with Bob Wallach earlier. I can tell you. We had a, we had a, uh, a social relationship. I can tell you Klaus Ludwig, mm-hmm. Bob Wallach, very yeah. close. Yeah. Stucki. Yeah. You know, Sarah um, Wandermöwe. Yeah. So all these guys. Huh? Terry Boots. Yeah. Terry yeah. Boots on top of the list also. So yes. And, and, and the funny part is, you see, when I see them, in today's world yeah. it's always you know we go to their birthdays or invite mm-hmm. us or what so we always keep contract yeah. and only guys do that when you like each other sure yeah so yes absolutely for me that was very important yeah. because what is in life if you're not an asshole okay and you and you uh, uh, you, you can't drive a race car and I'm just talking about race car drivers sure, sure. so if you get along on a private base then it makes it so much easier right. to communicate or say something or be honest or say what it really is than if you go, right. but quite frankly, I never had, I didn't, I cannot recall one driver where I say he was an asshole. Michael and Mario Andretti, the Answer Brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, huh? Yeah, yeah, Jim Busby. I mean, yeah, Jim Busby, by the way, we still are good friends. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a strong believer in personal contacts. Mm-hmm. And personal relationships. Yeah. Can you tell us that Bob Wallach story you told us earlier? Oh, yeah. Wallach. Yeah, that's a good one. So Wallach actually was a guy who was very reserved. Mm-hmm. Very reserved. And uh, he would get in a car and he would do... Wah, 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 and always kind of, you know, I call him movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he did his job. So I respected that. And then... In the morning, when I came in, I would say, good morning, Bob. <laughs> you know, but never, nothing. So that went on two months, three months, and then I said, yeah, maybe, asshole. And then one day, one day, he came and came by and he said, good morning. And I said, okay, screw you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't walk, I didn't walk five steps yeah. on my shoulder. I said, good morning to you. <laughs> I said, you asshole. I said, I've been saying that for three months, and how many times have you told me good morning? <laughs> really? I said, yeah. And from then on, we became very, that was the beginning right. yeah. of a very, very close relationship. Yeah. And what I call him is like a, a brazel nut. Okay. You know, that the hard shell. Mm-hmm. Okay. It takes a drill to get in there, but once you're in there, totally soft. Yeah. yeah. 
nice, nice, nice guy. And very, very so. But that was so typical. Mm-hmm. Bob Wallach, yeah. Right. Well, so, yeah, so up in your office, there's a photo of Bob Wallach uh, that that he gave you. And, and so uh, tell us that story for those who, who can't go to your the office. The photo. Yeah, or the, the giving of the photo, I should say. The beginning of the photo. I, I, the giving. I, I, I don't know exactly. You can read it right. you know, if you want to. It's um, it's something. He came in a truck what, like what everybody does. See, right. in my in my reign, when I uh, ran Porsche Motorsport, all drivers, factory drivers for sure, came in a truck when they arrived, said, hi, how are you? Blah, 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 said hi to the crew. Right. And then after the race, they would come again, had a glass of beer, I had my cigar, you know, like it was just my, what I said before, family. That is all gone today. But with the new guy, I think we're gonna get that back again. Sure. So what happened there, he came in and he gave me a piece of paper and it said kind of, uh, who's the, the, I'm a bullshitter, but you know, like when I look at you, you are, the king or whatever you are 10 times better than I am <laughs> I just looked at it and I said you sure <laughs> then I said a very bad word <laughs> and, he, and, and he left but in, in, in fun you know right, like of course yeah, yeah, but yeah, in fun right. and that was the last time I saw him that was on that dreadful Friday yeah yeah that is uh, tough 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 that was a tough tough nut to crack right very tough nut even today I, I miss him because we were very close to his wife you know, and I, I had to call her, and I don't speak French. You know, I could say "c'est va" and blah blah blah, but I, I, I don't speak it. And I had to call her from the hospital, and tell her that Bob is dead. Yeah, but luckily, then we found a French doctor who could speak French, because I couldn't get a hold of her. She was in Las Vegas, so it was it was that was a tough tough time. Yeah. Yeah, but that's in life also. Same with Hol- with, Wallach, uh, with Holbert. I'm laying in a hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, and all of a sudden, who called? Saul, Saul, or, or, or Ken House, because he was at that time with the Chevrolet team, and he called and he said, "Have you seen the news?" I said, "What news?" Because I don't watch TV. He said, "I then a plane went down and it looks on the collar from the tail." Could be Al's call. Poof, next one. Overnight, we said bye, and that was the last time, maybe a couple of hours before. Yep, because what we would do, actually, I was, you know, that's how faith is. What we would do is, we would leave always on Friday afternoon, fly to Warrington, over the East Coast races, uh, have dinner with the family, sleep in his house, and then on Sunday morning, Get up early, drive back to the fly back to the racetrack, and that day he had a meeting with some sponsors or whatever because we wanted to build the 962. We saw the end of it, and he wanted to build an open sports car with the Indy engine, converted Indy engine, and that would have been a rocket. I can tell you that right now. And he had it in England, everything, so that's why I didn't fly with him. So that's what you know. Sometimes life you cannot predict it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And in that case, it worked for me. Right. When, when you go through incidents like those, does that change how you deal with uh, drivers now, in the sense that maybe there's a more of a gap or more of a distance? It's, let's say, because you have to remember to the age. You sure. know, like, see, you know, like, they respect me, 
they do that. But you know, do I have a lot of things in common with a 25-year-old or 23-year-old? Right. No, right. no. But and that it would be that would be imposing on their freedom or right. whatever. No, I don't do that. Right. Go out for dinner is fine, and we joke. You know, I had a phone call today from uh, Lucas Lua. So we are in contact, but, you know, Lucas is a different generation. Right. But the new ones, no, no, I leave them alone. So right. that makes no sense. Did, uh, did Al Holbert or Bob Aiken ever get out of the car and bitch that it was unfair that they had to race with pros? No. Weird. No. Uh, Weird. That they raced a pro? So yeah. with today's motorsports Against world. whom? Uh, it, it's a driver rankings question. Like that, it's yeah, such a that is another joke. Yeah. What that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, you have to remember, L, L, was as good as any professional driver right, at that time. Right, right. Bob was close to it, but you know he was not an L Holbert or Bob Wolleck or you know uh, 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 Hans Stuck or yeah. whatever. And he knew that. But with the 962 days when we had the races, you could you could compensate for that. You know, like it's the same like today. You still can do it. Yeah. You get a, a, a little bit slower guy. You cannot be too slow. Then sure. it doesn't work. Sure. <coughs> but no, never. Yeah. And it's a good story, Bruce Levin. Yep. So what we did, we did all the. Oh, that's another good thing. 962 engines, 4.9 years, 50 wins. Okay. Incredible. You know, did all the engines and all, yeah. all of them. And Levin, Bruce Levin, rest in peace. So uh, when I went to him, not all the time, but when I went to him, he said, you and your modifications. <laughs> he said, I don't need them. It's okay. If you don't need them, you don't need them. I hire a driver, a professional and a fast ones. <laughs> and he is faster than your modification. It cost me less. <laughs> <laughs> That was Bruce Levin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we we argued always nicely, but well, of course he, he bought it then in the final analysis, but that was his favorite thing. Yeah. Right. You and your <laughs> modifications. Right. <laughs> right. Bad scientist. <laughs> With the DPI thing coming on, do you see Porsche wanting to participate in that down the road? If the ACO yeah, sure. tomorrow would decide that they're going to lend DPI's run, yeah. I think that within a reasonable time we would have a car. Yeah. But right now, it's just to have a car for the United States mm -hmm. is difficult to justify. But, but, you have to look at it mid-range. Mid-range, if you want to win in the United States, you need a DPI yeah. because a GTLM car gets you first in class. Yeah, right. But not, uh, not an overall win. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, does Porsche come? I think in within time, reasonable time, sure. yes. Yeah. Like anybody in any other right. manufacturer. Yeah. And Jim was absolutely right in sticking to the simple thing. Because look at the LMP1. I mean, it's all nice and dandy, respect to the people. Yeah. But the money, what it costs to run these cars, yeah, how many people do they think they would be there? Yeah, right, right. Was there ever a program that you were disappointed in? A program, actually, what I was disappointed in was a little bit the indie program. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because the the first car from Singer, and, and Robert Singer, did the first Porsche car, pure Porsche car. But number one, the Porsche guys, it didn't it didn't run well because it was not you know it was his first car, but he's a smart person, and he never he never really had a chance 
to modify the existing one and come up with an improved version. They went immediately to, uh, to March. And the, from then on, the car never really came to its potential. Then we had engine problems because, you know, the guys didn't understand banking. Because in the, with the Ongeising, it was a flat six, you know, it was a different thing, but it was a V8. So we blew up a lot of engines until Dr. Esch was it, uh, came to the, came to the, came to the idea or had the idea, we're going to modify the dyno. Remember that is a long time ago. Modify the dyno so that you can swing the engine. Oh, right. And the moment the they did that, yeah, yeah, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> then they modified it, and that engine was actually very good. That would have been the base for our '89 or '90 Kupsika, also IMSA car. It was very, very good. But then they made the mistake that uh, March built a car where the turbocharger was in uh, behind the driver's head, so the idea of weight distribution was correct. The only thing what they forgot couldn't build the car stiff enough. So the car, and in IndyCar, you know yourself, if you move one millimeter or uh, forget it. So, yeah, we never made anything and then they canceled that program. Yes, that I was disappointed in. If I'm a 17-year-old driver, mm -hmm. aspiring to sort of make a career and obviously being a factory driver is very appealing, what's the stupidest thing I can do? Come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidest thing you. what you can do is be over cocky. You know, high nose. You think you know it all. Because in today's world, there are so many young, good drivers out there. So to make it to the top, you need exceptional talent and then end. So what I would say, another big mistake would be be not flexible and are unwilling to learn. And they're unwilling to learn in a, in, a, in a driving ability, in communication ability, in everything what is today, talking on TV, talking good sentences and not blah, blah, you know. So that is, that's what I would give. So don't make these mistakes neglecting them. And just think because, you know, you drive fast. You know, there are other people who drive fast, but they fit the overall picture. Come back to Patrick Long. I'm sure there are other people who are as fast as he is. Or even maybe a little bit faster. But if I look at the total picture, I would pick Patrick immediately. So, learn. Listen. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I gave you a good handshake, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, he <Close> told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about it. <laughs> so now we have to stop one thing. I have to get a bottle. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, do your thing. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, take your time. It's okay so far. Oh, it's oh, great. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's the what's the drink of choice for Alvin Springer if he's back here, the sun's going down, enjoying Cabernet. it? Cabernet. Cabernet, yeah. Okay. yeah. Cabernet, and once in a while, a scotch whiskey. Okay. Okay. So Sean doesn't drink at all, except... <laughs> Good. Like, you at all. You can come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cheap date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the one time he's drank in the last... 20 years yeah. or whatever was uh, was with Mario Andretti the other day and we had some Andretti wine yeah. that's that's actually I'm telling you very very good yeah I enjoyed Pruitt's, it Pruitt yeah. is, is good wine that's another one yeah. good guy so Andretti and Pruitt are like the two best racing wineries you can think of I'm telling you yeah, yeah. yeah. good wine yeah. yeah so Andretti and Pruitt are like the two best racing wineries you can think of I'm telling you yeah, yeah. good wine yeah, yeah. So Andretti and Pruitt are like the two best racing wineries you can think of. I'm telling you. Yeah. 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 Good wine. Yep. Yeah. And we heard you're a big cigar guy. Is there a 
Is that a, a and I enjoy my cigarette. It's a good story too. So in the morning, the phone calls would start. And when I got into Porsche Motorsport, I was already pissed. And I told him, I said, guys, do me a favor. Do not talk to me for the next hour or half an hour. Let me calm down. Because yeah. otherwise you're going to get it and yeah. it's not your fault. <laughs> Other time, I come home. Somebody miffed me off. Right. So I opened up the door and I told her, I said, Yolan, don't talk to me. <laughs> so I came in out here, got my cigar, got my glass of wine. Right. Takes about 40 minutes. Calm down. Yeah. Then yeah. I came in. Yeah. So I smoked maybe once a week. But at the racetrack, oh yeah, we had a, f a cigar again. I have my group. It's uh, Mark Raffauf yeah. and Bo Barfield. I knew it. Yes, yep. that's so that's the three yeah. of us. Yeah. You know, we nice. always find each other. Yeah. And uh, uh, on uh, on Thursday, um, Gary Nelson. You know, oh, from cool. uh, yeah. yeah, he joined us. So, okay. yeah. so the four of us. Yeah. Right, we smoke our cigar. Blah blah bullshit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, but that's what that's what life is all about, sure. also. So if it's sort of regular business hours, and I see you with a cigar, that's a sign to leave you alone. Yeah, it means you're having but a bad. What day. I still do here is, you know, but I see I like to have a cigar, but it has to be in a relaxed atmosphere. I don't smoke a cigar because, like a cigarette smoker, you know, who has to smoke. Yeah, right. Sometimes when I go to Germany, I don't smoke for four weeks. So it isn't like luckily. <laughs> you know, I don't have that as an as a as a. How you saying? I don't inhale or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I enjoy it. So and then I take my magazines here and I read my magazines. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, of course they pile up. Right. Because sometimes I don't feel like reading. I tell you that right, because it's in a way, same. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, because if you read Fair. one of the other one, what is he going to write? Yeah. So these are all motorsport magazines. Yeah, motorsport. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I read. Uh, I'm very much involved in the German politic. Okay. Mm -hmm. American politics also. Okay. Oh yeah, no, that interests me because okay. you know, like uh, since 2005, I've dual citizen, so oh, I'm right. American okay. and German. Yeah. Okay. So yes, so good thing is they cannot throw me out anymore. <laughs> 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 Look at the bright side. <laughs> right. <laughs> just worked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, like in Germany, like the like the election that just happened in yeah. Germany, do you still vote? In the uh, yeah. I, now, in order to vote for Germany, I could do it, but then I had to go to the embassy and get. Oh, right. No, I okay. don't. I don't vote. Okay. No. But here, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes definitely. Sense. Do you do your own yard work? Oh. <laughs> you want to hear the story? Yes, I do. You, you, you can't leave it or not. So we buy the house. The whole thing is grass. So I told her, I said, get a lawnmower. Right. So I took the lawnmower, went one outside lap. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> that is slave. Because, you know, at that time, at that time, we would, uh, we would, uh, Dita and I, we would leave on Friday night, go to, uh, to the racetrack, night eye, red eye special. Yep. And on Sunday night, red eye special, Monday morning, back to work. Yeah. And I was thinking about in a couple of weekends when I'm home, slave of my back. I said, no. I said, get another uh, lawnmower, the one what I don't have to push. Because okay. I saw it on the, not internet, but in TV. So then she got one new one. So I had one, you know, you handle her. And I pulls itself. Again, maybe two laps. <laughs> I came in and I said, you know what, kid? Because at that time we really didn't have any money. Right. We just had barely that house. So I said, do me a favor. No more steaks. Get a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in 76, so you know how long yeah. ago that is. 
No. Okay, is, fair enough. Have backyard, that is not my forte. So when it gets to like the, the what we call the honeydew list, where you, you have the... A honeydew the, list is a very simple one. Okay. When she tells me, you have to do that. If it is not an emergency, you know what I say? Write it down. And when I feel like it, I will do it. And I'll okay. tell you what it is, is if I feel like it, I do stuff in, let's say, 10 minutes. If I don't feel like it, hours, you know, like, <laughs> so I don't even do it. So okay. that's, huh? Kid. What? How many times when do you tell me, okay, do that, do something or do something? When do I do it? When you feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, when he feels like it, he attacks a lot of stuff. If not, there is no way on earth you can make him do it. So like, if, if like the, if there's something wrong with like the toilet or something, at what point do you just call the plumber? versus... Uh, oh, I've done it. <laughs> oh, you do it yourself? Oh, yeah. Great, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excuse I'm me, I'm sorry. And it stinks. <laughs> Everybody was saying, are you going to get a honeydew list? And I said, it's not worse for me writing it because he's not going to do it. <laughs> That's I think it's the same. You know, we know him. How long have we been? We met in January 66 and we got married in 71, so... Be old timers. How'd you, <laughs> how'd you guys meet? You want to say? Go ahead. No, you. Your turn. In, can can uh, you hear it? Uh, yeah, if you want to put that on, uh, we need to move the microphone. It was uh, in Toronto, German okay. Carnival in 1966. What, what is a German Carnival? Like an Oktoberfest? Uh, oh, something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like a proper Lots of beer. circus or... Like, no. Okay. No, no, it was like a dance. Oh, it okay. was a big party. I got you. And they called it German Carnival. So uh, it's like a theme. And yeah, he yeah. was with his buddy. I was with my friend and my cousin. And we were like 22 of us. Yeah. And he asked me to dance. We couldn't talk to each other. He couldn't speak English. Uh. I couldn't speak German. He couldn't speak French. So uh, the <laughs> little English that we knew each other was... Tell them where you come from. I come from Morocco, Casablanca. Oh, oh wow. uh, yeah, so, okay. we always assumed no, no. you were German. Yeah, my, yeah. No, my mm, native okay. language is French. No ah, kidding. So okay. I, I arrived in October. He arrived in October 65 in Toronto. Okay. So it was January. English was very little. Right. So we danced for three hours. Was he a good dancer? He was a good dancer. Is he still a good dancer? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So... What car do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we danced, and uh, and that was it. And we start dating, on and off, on and off. And then he has all his friends. They were German, so we would go to to friends' house or anything right. like that. They start talking English, and after half an hour, they all go to German. So I will grab my purse, I call a taxi, and I leave. You mean she call a cab? Yeah. Okay. And, and your lord is gone because I was tired of hearing German. I was sitting there <laughs> sure, like a dummy. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> I did that many times. Even once in Canada, uh, in Montreal, right. there was the Olympic uh, oh. World Exhibition. Yeah. Ah. Okay. He got mad. I got mad at him, and we got mad quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we had. So he got. I got mad at him. I just took off. 
went back to the hotel and the bodies that we were with, oh, Yolande went to the hotel, leave her alone. <laughs> That's just part of it. So I don't know enough about Moroccan women, but in TV, the Hispanic women are always screaming in Spanish whenever they're mad. You know, that's kind of like the stereotype. Does that happen? No, screaming, no. I don't scream. Well, do you do you divert back to your native tongue or French? Speaking French to just like, yeah, he's nodding right oh, away. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So is he. So, <laughs> oh, so he goes right to German. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good because then you don't know what the other said. Like, yeah. do you speak any French, Alvin? No, he said earlier. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do speak German, but right. he doesn't speak He's pretty French. good in German. Yeah, I have to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, it's a good... It's a good combination. It works. Did he give you a good handshake when you met him? Uh, more than a handshake, he grabbed Ooh, me. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's aggressive. <laughs> he didn't want to let me go. Mm. <laughs> I said, hmm, nice looking, love to dance. What else can you ask? And that was the first and last time that pretty much we dance. <laughs> he's never like, he's like that's it, we're done. One our, and done. Yeah. our wedding, we had like 21 people for the... Uh, for the wedding okay. and okay. Uh, everybody said Alvin you have to dance no 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 Alvin you have to dance we cannot dance till you do the first dance so he grabbed me bam bam okay now you guys can <laughs> dance and he went and he said no <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> you know, see that is one thing is, is for sure he's one of a kind <laughs> <laughs> when somebody tells me it cannot be done or you can't do it Immediately the other way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, did he have any nicknames, or does he now? No. no? Me? Mm-mm. In Canada, they called me Jumper. You know, Springer? Yeah. Mm, Springer okay. is uh, sure. Yes, that makes sense. Sure. Jumper. Okay. But otherwise... <laughs> but when I met him, he had nothing to do with racing. Yeah. Right, that's what he was saying. Nothing. Much more relaxed at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, they, did either of the kids have an active interest in motorsport no. at all? No. Yeah. My daughter had a little bit. My son, uh, no. Never. He worked for Stan 21 okay. for a year, but he, that was not, he didn't like it. Deal. So, in a way, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad, but, because uh, it is, you know, when you want to dedicate yourself to racing, it's a full-time job. Yeah. And without your land, I tell you, maybe I would be where I'm today, maybe. But I certainly didn't have a family. Because my kids, my kids were growing up, I didn't see them. I didn't see my kids. We didn't go a lot to the the soccer field or whatever, because why? I was tired. I was tired. I always said, I have to recharge my batteries somewhere. So it's that... uh, it's a tough one. You cannot uh, deny it. But, you know, I look at it and what I always said is, look, Ma, I spent my time <coughs> not in dance halls or in gambling halls or whatever. I worked my ass off. So at least we have something. And in two days, we are when my daughter got, pff, I forgot when she old she was, 20 or what. And uh, she she blamed me you know you were never at my things and you were never here and yeah. you were never here and blah blah and in my house I said excuse me I said what do you mean my house I said that's my house if I don't like you anymore you can go somewhere else the only thing what I would give you I would give you a tent in the garden right there on the grass I said without any floor in it and right on the sprinkler and if you're not really nice <laughs> I switch to sprinkler in the night time <laughs> Yeah, look at it. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. But 
never had an argument afterwards. Right. Nice. So yeah, sometimes you have to, you know, you have to be a little bit harsh yeah. in order to get the truth across. Yeah. Well, you think, I mean, you probably have to deal with a lot more Americans now than ever in motorsports, in, in, in your form of yeah, motorsports. Yeah, you know, of um, There's so much of this. It has to be fair. It has to be easy. No one can be mean. Everybody has to be nice. And you being the old school German guy you are, direct and, and to the point, do you find yourself changing at all? Like, do you find yourself going, I've got to be nice no. now? No, not at all. Just no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. I hate political correctiveness. Yeah. Never adopted it. And I tell everybody who want to talk to me, stop the bullshit. Yeah. Talk to me as a normal human being. Right. Believe me. And if you hurt my feeling, I'll let you know. Yeah. No. I think that is a stupidity. Whoever that movement who started that is, what are they achieving? Right. Because exactly what you said, you know, when somebody said, we finished a strong second. Nice. Name me the first loser. Right. Yeah. Second place. Yeah. 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 So... You are. Everybody cannot win, and the kids have to be. Ah, you know, when we ah, when we we give him a trophy, and we give him then we give him the feeling. Listen, what is life all about? Hmm? Life is brutal. Yeah. Life is the best one wins. Competition. That's what you have to do. Yeah. And I personally, you know, like I'm a strong believer in competition, because <coughs> brings me to a point. Why don't I have a contract? tell you exactly what I told the guy I said I don't want to have a contract he said why everybody wants a contract I said not me I lived my whole life on performance yeah. when my performance isn't there anymore thank you very much and at the same token if you leave thank you very much mm -hmm. that's the reason why I don't want to have one he looked at me he said hmm. never heard that in my life but accepted yeah. handshake performance in life why are you guys sitting here you have an idea you follow it through and you do it correctly that is what it's all about yeah. that's what I like and if I see somebody you know struggling and I can help him if he's not, I help him with my dearest deepest things advice blah blah whatever I can give him but if I see somebody hey, you know my <laughs> life is tough and uh, what is tough yeah you want to ride with us up to California? Yeah. We talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's do. I got you. Get my in 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 a nutshell, you get my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to switch back to a racing thing, mm -hmm. a car, and I don't know if you had anything to do with this project, but the LMP 2000 car, the open top car. <laughs> what was the story there? Because it was I remember seeing like leaked photos of it on the internet. This is when the internet was still new. Um, but basically, if you're not sure about the car and you're listening, it was this. LMP prototype open top car that mm -hmm. was rumored to be coming and you hear all these little mm -hmm. you know whispers about it and then a couple of spy photos showed up online mm -hmm. and it was a really cool looking open top mm -hmm. you know WSC style car mm -hmm. and the thought was that they're going to take on Audi and they're going to go and they're going to do all this great stuff mm -hmm. and then it just kind of went away yeah. yeah everything what you said is correct so far so what happened is Wiedeking Dr. Wiedeking do you know him? no no you don't know him person but you know of him? yes he didn't like racing. Oh. Didn't like it. Tolerated it, mm -hmm. but didn't like it. And he said very clearly, you know, like the, the Weissach guys built the car. The car's in the museum, but yeah. in the basement of the museum, not what you can see. Right. And it was an open cockpit sports car. 
very nicely built, nice engine in it, you know, actually the engine was based from our uh, proposed Formula One uh, thing, so we built it, let's see, Porsche does something, but they never publish it, or, you right. know, it's not like we do something, but we have it, and uh, uh, he cut the program, they did two tests in Weisser, mm -hmm. on the racetrack, got it, Yeah. put the cover over it, nobody was supposed to see it, and nobody saw it. Yeah. The only time I saw when I went into the basement on the on the Indy cars because I had to give an evaluation on the Indy cars and then I saw what Porsche has. Yeah. Unbelievable. With the cars you don't see. So yeah, no, that was a purely uh Vita King decision. Hmm. So in that basement is there other cars that we've never heard of that are down there that are would have been game changers or not race cars. Okay. But sure. street cars, yeah. you know, too. Mm -hmm. It's the same like uh in 94 was the that's a good story so uh, 94 our uh, 962s died yeah and tony dow mm -hmm. with the jaguars yeah. oh that program died you know and we were sitting in 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 in, in sears point in the bar in san rafael we were talking about it because you know we always got along we said hey what are you doing? Mm -hmm. oh, I said, for us, sports car racing, we don't have anything. So, I'm debating smoking a cigar. Go for it. Do it. Do it. De do debate it. debate is over now. Do your thing. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Anybody? Do you want to smoke? Yeah, I'll smoke a cigar with you. I'll do it. Yeah. Well, wow, really? And you smoke it. I, I've smoked cigars. I have he never, has I'll it. do yeah. it, but I've never done it. Yeah. I'll give like him a small one then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 So now that everybody's huffing and puffing, let's see how long you're going to do it. Oh, I, yeah, we'll see how long I can last. <laughs> so this is actually so my very first cigar. Sean Heckman smoking cigars with Alan okay. Springer. Yeah, so here, we're going to get a photo Can we do a photo exactly. together? Yeah, because yeah, this is adorable. <laughs> All right, So between real. Mario Andretti and Alan Springer, I think we got you covered. Yeah, this is my... Uh, if only we had known this was the deal when yeah. we were hanging out with Randy Lanier, <laughs> yeah, we could have totally got you set up. Just wait until we see Mayfield. <laughs> Okay, so let's go down this direction. You've been around Porsches, mm -hmm. you know, for so long. Mm -hmm. You can probably hear when someone's up to no good. Yeah, in today's, yeah, um, still, yeah. 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 But it has to be, I cannot say, you know, I'm listening to an engine and I can sure. tell you you're doing something wrong. In the good old days, yeah, I could tell you yeah. that, especially on the V8s. You know, you remember that, mm -hmm. your camshafts, eh? yeah. overlap. Yeah. So that was the first thing what I watched for, yeah. because it was kind of not homologated, yeah. but it was kind of written what you allowed. So it was Larry Schumacher. Remember Larry yes, Schumacher? Yeah, yeah. He raced with him against in the World Challenge for yeah. a long, long day. He had a Pontiac or what? Yeah. He came up. Boop, 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 boop. I said, Larry. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can, but it's it's, it's not into today because the, they have a high sound. You know, it's a, it's it's more noisy yeah. than you know, especially the eyes. The eyes, eyes, forget it. But in the eyes, it's a factory class yeah, right, right. Yeah. that is kind of self-contained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's the greatest cheat you've ever seen? Because my dad worked with uh, JLP Racing, and they they would have like a hidden fuel cell in JLP three or something. Um, from what we ever did back in the day like or, or not necessarily you but what you've seen you know like i i tell you honestly i really didn't pay a lot of attention the only thing what uh, and that wasn't the biggest sheet uh, was in the when we started out in the 90s and we started from ground zero mm -hmm. 
We're running in the supercar series. Yeah. Bridgestone supercar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we were running there with a 911 mm -hmm. normal street car. Yeah. With Stuck and uh, and and uh, Hurley. Yeah. Hurley and uh, Walter Röhl. And we ran against the Lotus with Jack Ainsley. My dad worked on the Lotus. I know. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, <laughs> tell me. I know your dad. So, and I and, and George Silverman. You remember him? Mm -hmm. So he was at that time the technical guy. And I knew they were cheating. And I said, Ensley, stop it. Yeah. You know, be nice. Let's have a race. We don't want to dominate. But quit that bull**t. No, we're not doing anything. And, you know, and Ensley said, not the smallest guy. Mm -hmm. So and I said, I'm going to get you. So what I did is I went to our EPA guy at that time. Yeah. And I said, listen, there must be some kind of a documentation about the turbocharger. Yeah. I said, sure. Go in California appointment you go to the EPA and they have every book already at that time in the early 90s any detail of the car they have in there so I went oh, there wow. yeah. so I took the, the measurements copies from the turbocharger from the EPA you know from <laughs> the turbine from the compressor yeah, from the whole thing. Right. I watched it <laughs> and I went then I went the next race I went to Ainsley I said Ainsley I'm gonna get you so I give you a last chance and didn't do it then I went to Silverman, and he wanted to kind of blow it away. Yeah. I said, Silverman, kiss my ass. That <laughs> one blows up. So either you do something or you don't. And then he took the, the turbochargers off, and of course, they were totally something else. Yeah. And I said, hey, guys, that's what's supposed to be the Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. But with, even with Jack today, we're still good friends. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. everybody loves Jack. But so that was yeah. this was the biggest sheet. But that's how I was. Yeah. That's how I got him. Yeah. <laughs> Went above and beyond. Yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, EPA. <laughs> that's knowing the politics. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. The best one was John Paul. Yeah. Have you ever heard that story? Which, which? So John Paul, <laughs> John Paul, we did engines for John Paul. Yeah. Senior. Yeah. And then, and then. For whatever, you know, like an, 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 an engine blew up. Yeah. So I'm not going to pay you. I said, hey, because we knew a mechanic left the oil line loose. Uh -huh. Because the mechanic told us that. Yeah. And I forgot his name. <laughs> Worked for him, but I forgot it. So he came and he said, yeah, I made a mistake. And he didn't want to pay. And I said, hey, you have to. So we went to court. And that son of a bitch that was after... He tried to kill that guy. Undercover guy. After right? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that. Yeah. Think about it. He came for $5,000 or $6,000 in front of the court. And the, uh, the judge said, you know, like then the guy, then the guy, uh, yeah, he came in our favor and told the guy that he left the online yeah. loose. Yeah. So the judge said, okay, pay. Yeah. We never paid. <laughs> so then I was waiting. And I said, my friend, <laughs> come to California. So I went to a lawyer. He got an, in, how you call it, injunction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Injunction. So he came to California. I didn't go to Sears Point. So sheriffs came. You ever heard the story? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sheriff came, nicely got his car, with chains pulled it up, and then, and then you know, like, if I take a check, I said, check, cash. No. Yeah. And yeah. then he had to run around in the pit lane to get cash. Yeah. <laughs> I got my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Ra you wonder why used to be yeah. so cool. Ach, <laughs> 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 it was always. And you wonder why people are. But I didn't. I didn't take what I told you before. I had for an answer. Yeah, clearly. I mean, because he had literally tried to shoot and kill an undercover 
DEA agent. Yeah. And then you, months it, later, are like, hey, I need you. <laughs> I need that five grand. Yeah. And I said, forget the money. I want you alive. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're like, forget principal. No, it's yeah. five grand. Yeah. yeah, but that was he was counting on. Yeah. Not yeah. with me. Right, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of other people. Yeah, of so course. I don't give a shit. So, yeah. I just write. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I want you on my side, that's for sure. Mm. How do you, like, I, I, I think about, like, the client base that I've got uh, that, that race forces. How do you like the client side of of the business because you know effectively i mean just thinking about the, the active guys now you've got a, a company like gmg who's there to, to sell cars to rented seats and they're doing tuning on the side but then you've also got teams like uh, black swan which is you know privately funded or or old teams like magnus who are known for being really crazy and fun with their stuff or TRG. yeah he has fun with it too. Yeah, yeah yeah like but how do you do you enjoy the customer side of it with this variety of personalities oh, tell me if if the if the people you know are realistically to a certain degree and they don't lie and you can talk to them and you can make some fun with them i'm coming back that you have to make some jokes yeah. mm-hmm. you know i get along actually with all of them i cannot tell you one foot to the other one yeah and if they change the the product hey we are in the free market yeah, yeah. if they want to change they change but i never i never lose contact with them like when dyson yeah. Dyson, dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Also, and I always repeat that they are dear friend of mine. Yeah. So even when we lost, we always kept in touch, you know, we got different products. But he did uh, went to a different thing because we didn't have anything. After the LMP2, right. yeah. there was nothing. He yeah. would have stayed with us. Sure. And I'm I'm sure even with with Magnus, if we had the right product, yeah. they would have stayed. Yeah. So therefore, for me and if they changed then. Right. But changes. Yeah. It cha- doesn't change the personality. If somebody tries to screw me or a Porsche, that's a different story. Okay. That is different. Yeah. And that's what Tony Dow did. And I, with Tony Dow, unfortunately, we broke the thing. Oh, we never talked about 94. You were going to tell us. I, I know. I kind of know where you were going with it. I would like to hear that story. I would like to hear story. this, yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that even now, what you're, what you're going to tell us. What? So, we'll... we'll Got and again, CS point. We're sitting in a bar, and I said, "Hey, you have a car, but you have no engine anymore because they couldn't pay the whatever they had in their cost for or whatever. Or I don't know what they had in there, yeah. but they didn't have engines." Yeah. I said, "We have engines, but we don't have a car anymore. So why don't we think about what we can do?" That's how it started. Yeah. And then the next thing is, I called Germany and I said, "Listen, that's the proposition what I have. They have a car, they have that, and one to the other, Valparaiso." So the Porsche guys came over and installed the engine. The car was excellent. Yeah. So and then came uh, Daytona. No, then came first came the test, and we had uh, Andretti's, uh, Danny Sullivan, Anso. Oh, we had good people in the car. Yeah. I think Volek was there. I don't. Yeah, what? No, you can look it up. Yeah. But very, very good crew. So and then we went to Daytona, and then. Uh, First of all, we had like a restrictor change, but I mean not by tens or whatever. Yeah. I think two millimeters or what, and of course our turbos didn't fit anymore. And then on top of it, they gave us like 50 or 100 pounds. Yeah. And then Vida King said no. Pulled the plug. Yeah. Before Daytona, that was the end of the line. Yeah. So then the cars went into museum because we bought the cars, they were our cars. Mm-hmm. And then you smart ass. 
oh yeah we have cars they told uh, Le Mans and blah 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 and singer said well, in Le Mans the cars are way too difficult to change uh, uh, suspension on it and and I asked him I said no but I said why do you want to change suspension the car was laid out for 20,000 pounds of downforce yeah. and we're running maybe with eight <laughs> so what, what should be better on the suspension yeah so then of course we used harsh to wins yeah. Kind of, you know, like, but after, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's live in a big city. Yeah, so nobody nobody really knows about that. So that yeah. would be good if you can. Yeah, because that car was the TWR Jag. Car. Yeah. Hey. yeah. It was a perfect car. And then you guys basically made it a WSC-style chassis, right? Mm -hmm. And took it to Le Mans. Yeah. And it won with... Two times. Two times. And then... Uh, and then it went into... It then the it museum went now. into uh, a museum. Yeah. And people don't realize it because it's liveried up as a portion, the whole nine yards, that it had a previous generation as a completely other manufacturer's race car. Absolutely. Yeah, and you guys said, okay, we'll take that, we'll put Absolutely. them together. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah, pretty, it's pretty cool. neat story. And I did that. That's the second time you mentioned uh, Vita King. And I find that interesting because in, in motorsport today, I don't care if it's from a manufacturer level or a sponsorship level, it only takes one regime change for the entire program to go away Absolutely. in a day. Uh, but I find that interesting that even at Porsche, which is a company rich with racing heritage, that that, that can still be a, a legitimate concern. Yeah, but it, it it all depends like anything else, you know. We're sitting here right now, and next one is sitting in the seat, he said, I hate cigars. Right. So all the, like Vida King, he had, he smoked a lot. And we had the best Cubans and humidors, you know, that yeah. big everywhere in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, board casi board member casino you know it's a little yeah. room so they're still there so when i go to the celebration yeah so we have dinner we have lunch with uh, the new guy and with usually with scott asserton uh, daniel now the new guy so four guys okay and then i see the girl and i know the girl who serves us and i said hey kid when we have the party can i get a cigar <laughs> And every year, I'm the only guy, you know, who has a cigar. So they always ask me, did you bring them? I said, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to come back. I want to come back to the beginning of Endal. Okay. See, we had a couple of guys when we opened up Endal and we went to the racing side. We had a couple of guys who really helped us a lot. And that is uh, something what people have to know too. Number one was uh, Randolph Townsend. He became then, he had the 935-917. Then he became a senator in Nevada and for, oh, I don't know, 24 years or what. Still good friends. Then was Howard Meister. Howard Meister doesn't mean anything to you, ne? but he, he financed actually the 81 car. Hmm. And to a certain degree, the 82 car, the Moby Dick car, where we won Daytona, yeah. Preston Hen bought it. So, and the third one, who am I forgetting? Jim Busby. Jim oh, Busby right. was actually our first customer, Wow. racing-wise, with an ISR. Do you, uh, I mean, it's sort of a generic question, but do you have a favorite car? Me? No. Yeah. No, I don't. 962? I'm not, I'm <laughs> not, oh, you mean a race car? Race car, yeah. race car, 962. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 100%. 962, that was a car, what was good for the customer. Mm -hmm. It helped, of course, it, it helped us tremendously, and we did a lot 
of modifications what nobody else had. Yeah. And that was for us, you know, for myself on my electronic side. Yeah. So modifications is an andile. Yeah. 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 That was andile. That was yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. Nine sixty two clever. And and Holbot. You know with Holbot we made a deal and from a personality standpoint you do you, you don't remember Alan, eh? uh no, no. I, lo- I look personality, older than I am, so. I mean he was there and I was here right and yet you know like we got along very very good and we became friends so I can say that with good conscience right. and what he said from the beginning Alvin I trust you you do the engines take care of it end of the story never interfered right never right when I said okay I'm gonna do that and do it right so that was a very good, very close, and and his, his death actually that was devastating for me. Yeah, I have to say that. So so let me let me say one thing. In the 80s, we went from injection pumps mm-hmm. to electronics, and that is something where my computer knowledge, everything else, and interest has always interested me. Yeah. And uh, like I said before, EEPROMs, the brain of the the ECU at that time. See, today it's easy. You go to a computer yeah. and you go percentage-wise. You know hexadecimal system? I'm aware. You're familiar. Okay, yeah. so you had to see the, the EEPROM is programmed in hexadecimal. So you had to convert it into decimal. Then you had to say, okay, plus 3%. Then you had to figure it out again, get the number in hex. Then you had to program the EEPROM and send it. Yeah. So in Germany, there's, uh, let's say, the Bible, where the EEPROM was decided you know or it actually described where's the timing and where's the RPM and where's the that and where's that and that is something I got everything from Weiser but that they wouldn't give me huh. it was just brand new and yeah. that was like Fort Knox right so it pissed me off <laughs> <laughs> so yeah because see what we wanted to do immediately from 2.8 liter to 3.2 yeah. yeah but you change the cams you do that but if you don't change the mixture and the timing so what does it really do good? Yeah. That's what everybody else did. And I went to, it really bucked me. And I wasn't smart enough to do that completely. So okay. I went up to Silicon Valley and I found a guy. He, it cost us $10,000 and it took him like, I don't know, two months or whatever. And I went up there and he had it on a big display. And he said, look, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but let me show you the blocks. So that is one block here, so it's either timing or it is because it always repeats itself. But what RPM and where and what and here, I don't know that. So what I did is I went home and now it becomes technically. So I had a unit from Bosch where I could see the values when I changed the throttle angle or the boost or the, the timing. So then I got myself a generator, like the, what the engine runs, mm-hmm. you know, like an, an input. Yeah. So I went with that thing on a bench and it took me like six months. <laughs> and what I did is I just went, you know, like click and I looked. Then I went on the APROM and I said, okay, if I change, maybe that is the timing. So I just concentrated on timing. And that's how I broke that whole thing down. <laughs> and then we were able with Solbot to change our program yeah. And everybody else used and, and Aiken and all these guys here, they would change the engine, but uh, unfortunately, gone. Yeah. And then with Garrett, Garrett Air Research, right. we had turbos made specifically for our application. You know, with the, with the, 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 the display of the, how can I explain it to you, the efficiency 
great, you know, like you could be here or you could be here. Mm -hmm. And they made compressor wheels and things for us, exactly fitting that. Okay. So there is more to it than just, you know, oh yeah, they were lucky or they were good. And that's what I wanted to explain, you know, like, but I didn't get to the 962 days. So well, the, the, the nostalgia I hear for the 962 out of you is that it seems like that was sort of the technology point that sort of was perfectly coinciding with where you were in terms exactly. of what you wanted exactly. to learn. It was the right time, yeah. the right movements, the right, right clientele, and yeah. the success. Because yeah. if you look how many times you won Daytona or what. Yeah. So when you're working on that for six, eight months or whatever co yeah. combined, yeah. were people around you that were working? I'm assuming this was happening at here in California. And yeah, but, and but and it was mostly bench work. Right. Were anybody around you going, is this going to pay off? Was there any sort no, of pressure? No, like, my, two partners, my two partners, Th never, yeah. never doubted that. Yeah. Yeah. Never. They didn't know what I was doing. But there was never any doubts, yeah. you know, like, hey, what are you doing? Or what? No. Right. If somebody would have said that, I would have exploded. That's why they playing in yeah. the yeah. f*** off. <laughs> it's like, let him do his thing. Let him do yeah. his thing. Sure. Yeah. So am I vocal? Yes, I am. Certainly. So our pass-along question, we kind of started out with because it was relevant to our own curiosity with Jeremy's question about your retirement mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no 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 I have an official title okay oh you do it's called a retired innocent bystander <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I am yeah you know I'm in the background sure. you don't see me that much in the foreground but let's say that I'm very active in the background so on mo Monday Tuesday Tuesday so next week we're going to be having dinner with Cole Pern who is a NASCAR crew chief. I'm sure you've never heard of him. No. He works... Sorry about that. So no, no. I know you want to yeah. have a quote or what, but I don't know him. So any question you could ask a current NASCAR crew chief who is fighting for the championship, they just won the last race with his team. He's Martin Truex Jr.'s mm -hmm. crew chief. Any question you could think to ask. Mm -hmm. I could tell him that. If he's a good crew chief, then he always, let's say, you know, we take that little thing here, and we look at it and we say, look, come on, that's the rules. So you can have, you can on a safe side, you can go in the middle, or you move always on the edge. It's between illegal and legal. Right. And a good crew chief or whatever, I expect him to walk here. Of course. So, and once in a while, you know, you go a little bit over it, and if you get caught, that's your problem. That's what happened in NASCAR, yeah. so keep on doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, just... You get to travel for for a living, and you're from you know Germany originally. You spent time in Canada. I, I, for my own personal interest, I always wonder what's your favorite like track to go to, not for the race. Elkhart Lake. I see when when she mentioned Elkhart earlier. I was Elkhart like, oh, Lake. I it's cause Elkhart Lake yeah. is my favorite. Yeah, everything fits. It's perfect beside yeah. the winter time. <laughs> and the mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah and the mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you've gotten to work with some of the greatest race car drivers in, in sports car racing history. Um, factory guys like Patrick Long and, and York Bergmeister and on and on, Derek Bell. Is there anybody that you think could have been a great factory driver that just didn't get the chance? Yeah, Gunselman. Oh, right. You know, yeah. Astuosi, because neighbors, you know, they love each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> perfect. Mischance. <laughs> is there somebody in the, and I, I wouldn't know their name most likely anyway, is there somebody in the Porsche organization you see as like a predecessor to you or that's going to come into? That's a tough thing. And I tell you honestly, I already at uh, at uh, uh, Uwe's time, mm -hmm. so in 2005, 2006, I said, Uwe, we have to look for somebody because yeah. I cannot do it or I will not do it forever. Mm -hmm. 
I haven't found somebody. And believe me, I look and I look sure. and I look and I look and I look. But see, the, the, the criteria, what is utmost important is you have to speak German. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't get along with the guys, you have to know the guys from Weiser. Yeah. And as an outsider, it's very yeah. difficult to get into that group or, you know, to have the respect. And I use yeah. that word all the time. Yeah, you do. If you don't have it, forget it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you had no idea what you were walking into today uh, or what we were no walking idea. into, I guess. Well, neither did we. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> clearly you're having a terrible time. Um, yeah, can't you see it? <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's three o'clock on my dollar. That's minimum an hour and a half more than I expected. I'm sorry. <laughs> Likewise, like the legacy, if there is one that you want to leave behind, is there sort of a part about you you wish people knew more of or, or a legacy that you're hoping to leave? A legacy is a very simple one. What I want to be remembered is to be a fair person. Success, number one, always in the focus because that's what makes it in racing. And uh, that's all. Remember that, you know, like what we did, how we did it, how I did it. But I didn't do it by myself. You know, it's always what I hate with people. I, I. Yeah. We, you never see I. It's always us or we. Right. Because it is always a team. It's not only one person who does that. Right. That for me is very important. Success, united as a team. That's what I would like to see. Continue that. When somebody comes to that thing, I look in the mirror for a second and really ask yourself, how? Golf player is something else. Golf player is a golf player. That's only him, right. but not in racing. Right. You can have the best driver, you give him a lousy car, and the best driver all of a sudden becomes one of many. I think we're so we've taken more than enough time of your <laughs> so okay. we make a nice picture later on, three of us. Yeah, uh, yeah that's actually part yeah, of the part of the thing, thing as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to run it, you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Well, it's crap. You've given us almost three hours, and uh, Dario Franchitti's been waiting in the car the whole time. Yeah, we got Dario to drive us out of here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Why didn't you bring him in? Uh, nah, <laughs> that's not his. What is it? A dog? You forgot Mario's advice. That poor sucker brings some water. He's joking. I know, I know, and I'm joking too. <laughs> That's what I like. You know, you gotta have some fun. Yeah, I, I think this is gonna change a lot of people's. I mean, you need to like at the next race, maybe throw a drink in someone's face or like fire somebody because people are gonna realize that you're just a nice guy. No, and can't change your, might change your, your, your aura. But let me tell you one thing racing too. What, what I found very positive with all my racing gears, it forms you. And in racing, see, when it comes to the point, especially when I was still on pit lane, you have to make a decision. How are you going to do it? What you make? You make the decision now. Right. Not uh, let me think about that uh, or Split let me discuss seconds. in a committee, you know, what we mm -hmm. do. Uh -uh. You're on your own. Make the decision, live it, live it. So what it taught me in life, anything, when there's a situation, you are already by the time, you know, like, and it happened to us personally also, you make a quick decision and go for it. And by the time you do that, the other guys, they're still thinking and you're already on the next train to to the things and you have it already resolved. Right. So that is what I personally really learned in racing and cherish it. Well, thanks so much for your time and Continental for picking up the sandwiches. Boom, let's go, uh, let's go deal with Dario. <laughs> meow.
All right, Alvin Springer. Uh, on a personal level, I couldn't have been happier that we got him and that he actually had a good time, which we were worried about. Uh, it's very rare to get a guy like that to talk, and for somebody who's been as influential in the sport as, as Alvin has, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that, uh, that that his personality was able to come out. Hopefully he enjoyed it and got a glimpse into a guy that's uh, normally pretty reclusive on things like this. So uh, thanks, Alvin, for all the time. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get out of here with uh, another band that is new to us, but uh, they, they approached us, and we're happy to put them out there. It's called Shaman John, uh, and you can find the music on their website. That's uh, S-H-A-M-A-N, John, J-O-N, and then it's uh, shamanjohnmusic.com. Uh, here's a song called As Good As Your Yesterday. Enjoy. Enjoy. 